broadcasting live from beautiful Dripping Springs, Texas, in the state of um, of the United States. Well, it's Texas. And uh, with us in uh, in his studio, his lush uh, palatial studio in uh, New Jersey, is Mr. Andrew Goss. Andrew, good evening, sir. Well, hello there. How Patrick. are you? I am fabulous. You Thank sound you. good. How are things in New Jersey? Well, they're New Jersey. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It is. Bergen, New Jersey? Is it Bergen yeah, County? Yeah, Bergen County, New Jersey, yeah. Uh-huh. Where we have the primaries coming up here, June 3rd. Uh-huh. Primary any, election. Any yeah. Italians running for anything? Well, here's how they do it here. They get mad at you if you run in the primary. You know, they only, they only want one Republican and one Democrat yeah, to run in the primary. They don't want anything too complicated out no, there. Huh? No, 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 no. Okay, folks, here you go. This is the real world of money. It is our regular Wednesday edition. So come on in. Everything's working zippity doodah, telephones, etc. Here we go. 888-1-NET-6 is our telephone number. 888-1-NET-6. Simply let it ring. I'll put you on hold. And just stay on hold. Listen to the program on hold. Turn down your computer, radio, whatever you got. And uh, we'll pick it up live right on the air. So don't hang up once we put you on hold. If you hear the program in your little telephone, that means that you're good to go. You can also email anytime during the program. I have a computer screen right in front of me. And it is Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So if you're too shy to be on uh, thousands and thousands of uh, uh, computers around the world, well, don't get, don't be shy. Just come on in at PatrickOneRadioNetwork.com. We talk about money from a very unique perspective on Wednesdays and uh, soon to happen nationwide on through the facilities of WWCR Nashville on shortwave this Saturday afternoon for a few hours, and we're going to tell you about that. We're excited about it. Andrew Goss is a 25-year currency historian. He's been at this very long time, over 25 years. Two books, Uncle Sam Cooks the Books and The Secret World of Money, and he also writes a newsletter called The World of Money. And we're going to tell you how to get those uh, books because we're going to have a special on One Radio Network very soon. And we'll tell you how to uh, get in touch with Andrew, too. Uh, Andrew, it was somewhat a quiet week. And I guess in in the way it's been the last six weeks, that's been good news for investors and money folks. If nothing happened, well, it's it's, it's okay. Things are good. That's right. Yes, (laughs) this is the week when Uncle Sam is rolling in the dough. Oh, he is because not much is going out. Lots coming in, or everybody's sending. Oh, in that's their right. Tax. It's yeah, the tax it's week. Time. Yeah, it's tax week. So, right now we're as lush, boy. We probably feel like uh, we're rich, man. I imagine they're going to come up with some new program <laughs> to spend all that money because on the cash basis that we do accounting in, uh, anything only what's due this year is uh, is is important. They don't look at anything due next year. And so. this year goes all the way through uh, October, uh, That's fiscal right. year. That's right, this fiscal year. Yeah. So so if it if it's not going out this year, man, it's, we don't as far as we're concerned, it. it ain't going it out. It ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't happening. <laughs> so they have revenue, and uh, this is their revenue season right here. So if you sent your check in, they thank you very much. It got thrown in the pile with the uh, hundreds of billions of other dollars that are coming in, uh, giving the dollar as much strength as it's going to have, the poor thing. Now, as I understand it, are the are Congress, the Congressional Congress, they're the only people that are really authorized by the Constitutional to uh, to spend money, the Congress of the United States. Is that right? That's right, okay. yes. Right. Just the to, Congress. Just the Congress. Right, just nobody else. Nobody else. Yeah, the, no one else has the authority to appropriate money from the Treasury. The Congress. Now, when when the United States government spends uh, between one and three trillion on Iraq, which, by the way, the fifth year anniversary of the uh, liberation of, of Baghdad today, April ninth, two thousand and three, and it's not a declared war. Where does that money come from, and and how does that get there? Well, the Fed, Federal Reserve Bank, is of course our central bank, and they're charged with the task of providing financing to the federal government. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York is the lead bank there. And so they'll get the money either by borrowing it from the marketplace or uh, by their trick of creation. They have the ability to create money if they need to. Mm-hmm. So there's many ways to, to get around. Uh, there's many people talked about this other than Ron Paul talked about the war and this fifth anniversary not being really a declared war and, and all of that. Is Ron Paul the only person that's ever really talked about that? Yeah, I have others. Yeah, not uh-huh. many, not many other people discuss these minor issues like only Congress shall declare war according mm-hmm. to the Constitution. 
but he's touched on things uh, relating to the Constitution that I don't think many lawmakers have given a second thought to. You know, one of the things they don't think about is whether or not we're allowed to do this. Uh, have a war in Iraq. Anything. Anything. Whatever they want to do. They they assume they have the ability to do ah, it. Until, yeah, they, until tells, someone tells them not to. Well, who's going to tell them not to? I mean, really. Well, Jesse Ventura has been running around the country telling a lot of wild things. Have you heard some about this now? I've, uh, well, just his new haircut impressed Boy, me. Boy, he's, so. I'll tell you what. <laughs> he, what's his, his new book is something like Don't Start the Revolution Without, Without Me. Without Me, yeah. That's a great name. That man. is a great name. I like and, that. Uh, I, you know, there are a lot of uh, folks of his ilk mm-hmm. that have that same similar feeling. Give me back my freedom. Mm-hmm. You know? hey, did you really think there's there's more and more people uh, coming to that conclusion? Uh, what's your take? You're kind of in the trenches with people who I, I buy am. and sell gold coins. I mean, they are people yeah. that think about these things. Everybody has their issue. Right. And everybody's convinced in one area or another. I shouldn't say everyone. But if you sit an average person down, the majority of the people, I think, uh, realize that there's something not quite right in this area or in that area or perhaps in a couple areas, but very few that have put it all together in one perspective and now recognize that the whole system uh, is corrupt. So it may be an intuitive thing. Yes. Uh, It may be because of their personal contact with something or something that they heard or they believe or they know. Uh, Rarely do they look at the entire picture and recognize, hey, Mm -hmm. you got to take the core out of this one, baby. Well, if you cruise around the websites like I like to do and just see what people are writing about money, many people believe that the savings of Bear Stearns and loading up the banks with lots of liquidity, uh, <laughs> money money that Helicopter Ben uh, helicoptered in with his helicopter. Well, that's been going uh, on this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I want you to tell me about oh, that. But, but now many of the people, the, the, the more traditional economists uh, de jour, think that things are really kind of bottomed out here and this good, that things are okay because, you know, we've got to settle things down with this issuance. Well, they don't talk about issuance of new money. What they talk about is Federal Reserve loaning and all that. They don't mention the fact that this is new money. That's right. right? right. That's absolutely right. They leave that part out. They do leave that part out. Like, you know, they catch a maneuver like the one this morning. Private equity bought Citibank debt. Oh, I heard did about you hear that. that story? Yeah, yeah, I did. Twelve billion or something? It'd be like this. You're in trouble. Okay, I'm gonna buy your debt. <laughs> and they and then I'm gonna go to the Fed and they're gonna create the money and loan it to me <laughs> so that I can buy your debt. Oh don't wait. you find that humorous? I heck? do. That's so in other words in other words, uh Citibank has twelve billion that is maybe worth 80, 90 percent on the dollar. Who, right? who knows? They who don't knows know what for kind sure. of sweeteners were. They, they don't know for sure. They have no idea. Okay, so Citibank has twelve billion, and they say these things are a little upside down. We're not know for sure, but do you want to buy some? It's a sale, yeah. and and uh, private equity firms say, okay, well, we'll we'll pony up with twelve billion. Are you saying they don't have that twelve billion? Oh, of course, th- not. that they'll go to the Federal Reserve and they create the money it. for the yeah. twelve. Yeah, they might. Does borrow. it ever stop, Andrew? No, does it ever stop? Does, does it ever? Stop? Is there a reason for it to stop? This is the question. See, this is this is why this show is critically important because because you know you just don't hear this when you talk about the private equity firms. I mean, I heard it on the radio this afternoon, and I thought, wow, this is good. I mean. Sure. Citibank is going to sell their questionable loans right. for $12 billion, so what the hey? But it's $12 billion more being created by the Fed. I want, this, I want to look further at the counterparty. You know, look at the counterparty and see what kind of arms-length uh-huh. relationship they have with whom. Mm. And is, you know, because this is an owner of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So is another member of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York system going to create the financing for this private equity group to buy these are we just shifting stuff oh, around? Oh, Citibank is an owner of the Federal Reserve Bank. Absolutely. Yeah. Citicorp, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is just the, uh, it's just more musical chairs, the same old people yes. kind of swapping things back and forth? Yes. Uh-huh. And I notice uh, mm-hmm. Federal Home Loan Bank of Dallas, right? Yeah. You got one right there in Dallas. Do we? Uh, okay. Have we talked about them lately? No. Federal, I don't know from those guys. Federal yeah, Home be. Loan Bank of Dallas. Yes. Okay. Huge bank mm-hmm. with a board of directors, kind of like the Federal Reserve Bank. Right. But they have the power to buy up mortgages related to homes. That's their mission. Mm-hmm. Not uh, commercial real estate, not the mall down the street, but homes. Right. Houses. Right. People's houses. Um, they've been given a whole big pile of money, Patrick. Who gave them the money? Well, the Federal Reserve and the board of directors and everybody else. 
Oh, they, they gave them the money to buy some more of these mortgages. Buy, get out there and buy some mortgages, because we need you to buy mortgages. And what are they going to do with these mortgages with newly created dollars? Well, that will certainly free up some of the housing market problems, because the more, remember, the easier you make money, that's what determines the value of a house. So what you're saying is the people that control the dollars, the Federal Reserve and their buddies and, and, the, and the member banks and such, continue to create dollars out of thin air to, to make it appear that things are getting better than while the other end, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me like the other end, things are getting worse because you're putting more money out there that has no backing. Well, yeah. Is that true? The inflation part is not good. But it's the what does it do for us today part that's very good. So if, for example, the federal home loan bank system said that mm-hmm. the bank in Dallas can double, double its amount of money that it spends on mortgage bonds, mm-hmm. then there's going to be twice as many <laughs> mortgages bought up by this entity, making money easy to get. So they're going to buy mortgages necessarily in trouble or just uh, just buy mortgages so they can keep moving? Uh, the, 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 there's just more mortgage. money. Exactly. Yeah, okay, there's just more money. That's right. See, right. The, the, it steps in basically and, uh, and gives lending to member banks and SNLs and credit unions that can say, okay, so we'll loan you money based on the value of your home. Remember, that's their only mission. I got you. So you don't do any of the other funny business that uh, Federal Reserve Bank does. Their target is home loan, housing. That's all they do. Okay. So they're in there spending, you know, $1.6 billion this year <laughs> buying up uh, bonds in in Texas. Now, I'm not talking about anywhere else. That's just Texas. $1.5 billion. That's Well, they did $800 billion last year. And just newly created dollars just to buy mortgages to make things look Better. Make things liquid so yeah, that anyone can go and get a home loan. Okay, anyone folks, if you're wondering how, why, how this affects you, this Wednesday night show that we do, uh, come on in and ask a question to Mr. Goss, 25-year currency historian, and he's at your service right now. 888-1-NET-6 is the telephone number. 888-1-NET-6. My name is Patrick Timpone. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. You can also email questions right now in front of me at Patrick. At OneRadioNetwork.com, I'm going to pick up the phone and put you on hold. You'll be able to hear the program right on hold, and then we'll put you on the air. Don't hang up when you hear Andy and I talking on hold. That means that you're going to be on the air. The Federal Reserve and Mr. Bernanke said, I guess when they were meeting up with Congress and stuff a few days ago, said this is going to be a long and severe economic downturn. So it must have taken them a lot to come to be able to say those words uh, does that mean that it's even going to be longer and more severe? Or, <laughs> or, I mean, are they, do they usually hedge on the upside or downside? Uh, they usually hedge on the downside. So, I mean, they're giving us the worst scenario here. I don't see a collapse by any means. In fact, I see signs of strength already as this money makes its way back into the system. When you consider how seized up the system was, mm-hmm. uh, let's get a realtor in here uh, who'll tell us that you know eight of t- eight out of ten of his deals last month didn't close because they just went bad. Mm-hmm. There's no financing available. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the the sad stories. That's what caused the uh, meltdown, if you will. People mm-hmm. unable to qualify for for loans. But I, I don't understand, Andrew. Excuse me for interrupting. I don't understand how how you can how we can say there's there's strength. If if the only way things are getting stronger is by uh, inflating the money system even more, which is in essence weakening the the, the game. Oh no! See, question. That's what I yeah. don't understand. Well, there's no question that if you don't do this, the patient is dead. Oh, I remember. see. So it's kind of like you got to do this. Patient is dead, but it's not really good in the long run. Okay, you remember in the past we've always had discussions about the doom and gloom guys. Yeah, sure. They are right, right today. Right. Those guys that told you that the entire system would collapse and that you know the oh, they were yeah. predicting right. They are correct. What they didn't have correct was that the Federal Reserve was going to bail. What them response up. they were going to take? Okay. Uh, in that action, and so this is where I thought it out just a little further. Yes, they are correct. There wasn't enough money to pay everybody off. There were uh, debentures left uncashed. So down goes the whole system of dominoes. Everybody uh-huh. knows that. 
But helicopter bid did exactly what he's supposed to do, and uh, boy, they turned on the spigot in ways that I couldn't even have imagined. And turning on the spigot meaning creating new dollars. Pouring it out into the street in the last two weeks like I've never seen before. Two? Really? In the last in two In your weeks. 25 years, you've never seen never this se- before? No. Well, not this only, kind of velocity? Yeah. Not only my wow. 25 years, but in my course of study. Now, remember, I didn't just study... <laughs> You know, in in a vacuum, if you will, I've looked back to 1959 on a great majority of these numbers. So, yeah, it's been a long, long time. So they're really, really, really putting out the cash and really deflating the dollar. Yeah, if you Mm -hmm. looked at it in percentage terms, it dwarfs. I mean, it actually just dwarfs the total existing money supply in a year like 1959. You know, it's like when when we come to the fore with enough money to dwarf the 1959 money supply in a single day or in a single week, it's a a lot of money. These last two weeks have been more money put out by the Federal Reserve since you've uh, 45 years. Yeah, as long as I've been looking, as long as the numbers are available. What does that say to you? I mean, you've been at this a long time. It's like you know what uh, is there something up that, that you you're not even seeing yourself here well huh? you know they i'm not the smartest guy in the world that's for sure so there could be something i'm missing but to me it's plain and obvious that uh, they're gonna uh, put the zimbabwe fix on this uh, economy what do you mean well they're gonna reduce the dollar the current dollar so far in value so that everyone gets paid what they're owed and no one can say i wasn't paid and that's the key. As long as everybody's paid, then the then the system game, moves on, and the music keeps playing. Yeah, but at, that's always at the expense of the value of the dollar. Right, and that uh, that will always continue until until uh, enough people scream enough. Well, I don't. I, see, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, see and even people, that. I mean, yeah. what if, even if five million people would scream? Yeah. Five. What's five million out of? It's yeah. like so what? Yeah. Let's see if we can. Uh, Go to the go to the other central bank. Grab this call real quick. Hi, where are you calling from? Hello, uh, Austin. Okay, and what's your first name? Brad. Okay, Brad, you're on uh, one radio network. Go right ahead. Great. Okay, I am in a variable rate mortgage, and it's a five year that uh, flips in a year and a half. It's based on the LIBOR, and if it flip today, I'd still be close to 5%. But what I don't understand is, is it more likely rates are going to go up when the foreigners stop buying treasuries? At some point, yeah, we're going to have to call Paul Volcker. Can you hear him? So I should either okay. get a different mortgage and lock in or decide if I'm going to move in the next few years or not and risk uh, getting the rate uh, bumped up because at some point rates got to go up, don't Ex- Yeah, you're thinking correctly. No question okay. about it. Um, I never could time the market, so can I <laughs> Well, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing that you want to do really is to lock in a 30-year mortgage. And then you'll know what your mortgage payment's going to be for the next 30 years. For 20 years? Well, I don't like a 20. I like a 30. Tell them them why you like 30s as opposed to 20s. Well, because by the time you pay back that last dollar, it's only going to be worth, you know, three cents anyway. So (laughs) the longer you can stretch it out, the better off you are. And there's no other debt that allows you to go out that far. So because the dollar loses value so dramatically in the out years, you want to catch those last 10 years. Uh, you know, that's well, the the meat of the loan, if you will. But What's hard like- for me in that part of the equation is how do I value the psychology of debt-free? Oh, you like can't. the psychic payback. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, because... Kind of the, the spiritual yeah. sure. deal. I understand. And the, and the problem with the debt-free mentality is that that's okay as long as you don't save money. Uh, you know, you could be debt-free as long as you don't save any money. Because if you save money, then you're allowing those who use debt to increase their position in the system to steal a portion of your saved money. I mean, because that's what they're right. doing. They're creating right. the debt and then buying the tangible asset, which goes up in price, which costs you more money. So you can't have one without the other, my friend. And if you, ha- if you have money, you need debt. It's sad to say. 
If you have money, you need debt. Yeah, otherwise, I mean... Yeah, but no, what unless if you had you money put, well, and, and then did gold and silver coins and that's, other... Yeah, and that's, other, the, that's the only other option. And other and, appreciating uh, assets. Yeah, exactly. Then, See, that's my solution, but it's hard for me to put my solution on everybody else, which is I put all my money in gold or silver right, coins, right, right. and then I, don't need, then I can be debt-free and have money. But, but if you have Federal Reserve notes, you cannot live without corresponding debt. If you do, then the value of those notes will be eroded faster than you can keep up with in any other investment vehicle. And boy, the the uh, hmm. interest on the treasuries right now is is nearing zero quickly. Yeah, they'll be giving them out soon. Here's a well, treasury bar. Well, you're quite you're welcome. welcome. Thanks for listening. Thank yeah. you for thanks yeah. for calling too. By the way, eight 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 one net six eight 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 one net six. We'll put you on there. You can ask a question. Go ahead. You were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, that's the classic uh, uh, fix that yeah. people find themselves in, mm-hmm. uh, unable to make a decision like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mentality is, and what many mortgage brokers will advise is, okay, three years, four years, you're going to move, so just get a mortgage that only is good for three or four years. What if your head comes up out of the water, and, the, and you know, that's what I mean by uh, the end of your mortgage term, your head comes out of the water, and... Everything around you is on fire. <laughs> you A 30-year mortgage allows you to know your fixed payments for the next 30 years, and you can plan your life accordingly. The market's up, the market's down, it's slow, whatever. You know, you can rent the place or whatever you have to do and know that you can carry it, mm-hmm. and the price of money is not going to increase and drive you so up. So if your payment is 1400 bucks, it's going to be 1400 bucks forever in 2038. On, yeah. yeah, taxes and, notwithstanding. And yeah. goodness knows, I mean... The value, you know, I mean, there's no way of determining. The only way you'd lose in that deal is if the dollar goes up in value in the next 30 years. Yeah, that's right. And what's the chances of that? Right? Yeah, what are the odds, exactly? I mean, how uh, how could it? Could it could there possibly be a scenario, unless we bet, went back on a, on a gold standard, I guess? Well, if they shut down the federal home loan bank. Boards, mm-hmm. you know, shut down, shut, all that stuff. shut down all the banks and force everyone to go back to a gold and silver standard, the dollar would surely get strong again. Sure, sure, sure. If you have any questions at all, 888 six comments. We'd love to hear from you. Also, email if you're shy. Uh, you can just email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com right now, and I'll get you right on the air. Uh, here's a fun little thing we'll kind of throw in as we get in more calls, and, and I have lots of questions for Andrew between now and 8, so stay right there. i got some good stuff. I, I found something great on andygoss.com that I uh, quickly uh, uh, put on pa- on uh, oneradionetwork.com, but I did give you a... Oh, you, know, you could take anything you want. Well, I know, but I put your name on there. <laughs> is the owners of the Fed. Now, yeah. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we put that... Uh, so, folks, if you'd like to go to oneradionetwork.com, look under articles and under money. And here, I'm just let me read these real quickly, and then you can kind of break them down for you. The owners of the Fed, uh, the Rothschilds of England... And Germany, yes. Uh, Moses Seif of Italy, Lazard Ferris of France, the Warburgs of Germany, uh, Kuhn Loeb of Germany, Goldman Sachs of the United States, Lehman Brothers of the United States, and the Rockefellers of the United States. And only three of these families are American. Hello? Mm. You mean that much percentage of the Federal Reserve, the, the people that are doing all of this, is not even owner. Oh, these people don't even live in this country. Well, the, these were the issuing families. So the issuing families. Yeah, they've uh, it's broken down significantly since then. So like, so like, uh, Citibank could be part of this, and yeah, it's like kind of- exactly, exactly. And you'll find that um, the primary ownership now rests in clearly in multinational hands. Uh, but to for the, the there's a certain professor out there that defends the Fed, and uh, as he pointed out, the Fed the banks are chartered in the United States. So Hong Kong Shanghai Bank Corporation, for example, mm-hmm. is a New York corporation. It is. Well, sure, it's American as American as apple pie. Now I say that with tongue in cheek, of course, mm-hmm. because obviously you can tell where that bank comes from. I don't have to really explain that. Yeah. Uh, what's a more accurate depiction, I think, is the other uh, segment that's also on andygoss.com, and I'll give you this to put on Patrick Timponi, okay. is the top 16 bank holding companies okay. 
in the United States, mm-hmm. and that would give you a clearer uh, look at where the capital really And comes from. just give us a, uh, an idea of some of those guys. Dresner, Kleinwart, uh, some of the same names we made, uh, Citibank, Bank of America. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The ones we know and love. Yes, Goldman Sachs. Mm, Goldman uh, Sachs. Goldman Sachs, yeah. Yeah. Solomon yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Morgan Stanley's going to announce, they announced, or they're going to, a huge multi-billion dollar losses. Oh, they did last week, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think it was like uh, two, two billion or something. They've got more, though. And, and, and all of their board members were reelected. <laughs> Could you imagine having a company, and how does that, how does that work where you lose two billion dollars? And you still keep your And job. you still keep your job? Yeah, probably get a raise. <laughs> that's, hey. that's pretty wild, isn't it? Hi, uh, where are you calling from? Hello? 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 Where are you calling from? From Austin. Okay, what's your first name? John. Hey, John, go ahead. You're on OneRadioNetwork.com. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, Patrick. I thought I was dialing in to listen to the show. Oh, no, no. You can listen to the show right, right on OneRadioNetwork.com. You don't, have to talk, you don't have to call in for that. You, you just listen right on your computer. Well, I was trying that, but I was not receiving anything, and I saw this number, and I thought it was the number. Yeah, you that... should. Did you on right on the front page, and you click on play? Okay, yeah, I'll go back to that. You'll get it. Yeah, right on the front page. Well, those of you who are listening have already done it, so if you're not listening now, you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's what you do. Oh, some yeah, we have a lot of calls like that where people think they have to call up to listen, but yes, of course, well, we, have to we fix don't want to do that. We'll yeah, fix that. We'll fix it. Uh, yesterday, um, I want I want to bring up something I thought was a little interesting. Um, We've been talking a lot about the Constitution and the uh, Declaration of Independence on yes. Tuesday evenings with Desi. Mm. And she said that in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act went into place, right? Right. She said it was only really good for 20 years. Well, Is that uh, correct? Corporate charters, had yeah. the, that was always the way. The 20 years. Yeah, that was always the way, that the corporate charter was 20 years. If you look at the First Bank of the United States, mm-hmm. um, 1892. Uh-huh. Uh, excuse me. Listen to me. 1792. 1792. Lost the century there. Yeah, well. And then, then ended in 1812. Right. And then the second one, 1814 to 1834. 20-year right. period. So corporations were always intended to be chartered for 20 years. Right. They weren't intended to have an indefinite lifespan. But it is thanks to the Federal Reserve Banks that we uh, have... <laughs> The idea of a perpetual charter. Oh, well, I, I, and, and Desi mentioned something, Andy, like the idea that then 20 years later they did the Glass-Steagall Act. Right. And then they, 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 uh, they called the, uh, this, this thing the Federal Corporation. Right. Right. So they call, oh, that's how they did it. So yeah, they called the, it a corporation and said it's... gave it a perpetual charter. Perpetual. Oh, yes. oh, that's what she was referring to. Yes, yes. But did they then call it, was that then the FDIC at that point? No, this is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation was set up as a separate entity. Oh, that's separate. To ensure uh, that everyone's bank deposit would be safe. Because remember now, we're coming off the crash of 29. Mm. And the people, people who didn't take their gold coins home and only had pieces of paper... Uh, had banks without gold or silver to pay. So they weren't about to put their money back in the same bank that just swindled them, you know, 20 minutes ago. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, you, don't, you don't want to do that. So they had to set up the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So Uncle Sam basically said, oh, no, you can trust him this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of Snoopy and the football. If you study history, right, uh, Lucy, rather, and Charlie Brown with the football. Yeah. You know, Charlie to, Brown falls yeah. for it yeah. every, single every time. Single, he just every keeps single. going. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Now, have you learned anything more about this announcement? What was it last week? Ben Bernanke and the uh, the most sweeping power since the Great Depression for the Federal Reserve to save the day to to take a more uh, bold approach. Yeah. And uh, have moving, you learned anything more no, about this or what this is about? They're moving slowly on this. They'll get uh-huh. to this in a minute. Uh, but meanwhile, back at the ranch, we all have a problem. We so need more money. Yeah, you're going to have us fix the problem, and you're going to see we're going to do such a great job. And then once we're done cleaning up the mess, now you've got to give us the tools to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because doggone naughty system, look what it did. And we, yeah. the Fed, you know, we didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, you know, there's some talk that Alan Greenspan may be the one to blame, but that's uh, very disappointing. Well, I think it's very interesting. Mr. Greenspan has been going around the country the last couple of weeks, as you probably have heard, going on different shows. And Mr. Greenspan says, uh, I mean, here's a quote. I don't remember a case when the process by which the decision making at the Federal Reserve failed. Uh, he was talking about his time in office. 
says it all. Oh, well, that's what it says it all, right? Absolutely. I mean, he was right. They never failed, did it? Never. They did what they were supposed to do. In every instance. And so, and, and you know, in reality, what should have been done and what Greenspan had set up to do, recall he was raising interest rates on his way out, right? Right. That's what they've taught to do. That's what these... Uh, <laughs> so he did his job. He did what he was taught to do. Yeah, he did what he knew had to be done because that was the time that you have to choke up on interest rates. Otherwise, you're going to have a dollar that's going into free fall and becomes worthless. So so this this it's like this uh, this kind of weird catch-22 we're in where if the, the money wouldn't be dumped in here, things would get really dumb. And then if it is dumped in there, things get really dumb. Dumber. Yeah. Right? I, mean, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I likened it, you know, I think I clocked the point at 19, uh, 1997. Uh-huh. At 1997, it was the point of no return. And we were screaming uh, towards a cliff, you know, the edge of a cliff in our hot new car. And we were at that point where we either slammed on the brakes and went sliding over the cliff, or we put the pedal to the metal, and we go soaring out at least, you know, 350 feet like evil Knievel. Maybe we'll get to the other side. Who knows? Yeah. It's about 31 after the hour. My name is Patrick Timpone. This is The Real World of Money, and we do it every Wednesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Please tell your friends and put on your calendar next Wednesday. And you can call right now, 888-1-NET-6. 8881net6 you can also email patrick at one radio network.com right now with a question or a comment about your 401k's about your uh, uh, now you've mentioned this on other shows and, and I like to repeat this because I think it's really key folks listening who have x amount of dollars in retirement funds right now uh, what's what's the biggest challenge uh, facing them well the the eroding value of the dollar Obviously, especially since the majority of these folks, they want to be safe. And safety means you don't put your money in the stock market. You don't risk it. You put it in treasury bonds. You put it in treasury bills. I got a great quote from Bill Gross over at PIMCO. I, I heard it. I heard him say it, and I couldn't. I stopped like a reporter and wrote it down. Now, I'll paraphrase, but it was... The U.S. Treasuries are the single most overvalued asset, bar none. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty. Uh, these, these, these are the Treasury bonds. The U.S. Treasury bonds are the single most overvalued asset, bar none. But they don't pay any in interest the world. No, that was interest. the the rest of the quote. Forgive me. Oh. In the world. Wow. Now, i got to assume he knew about Zimbabwe, and this wasn't 10 years ago. This was three days ago he said this, okay? He knew about Zimbabwe. What, the one, what is it, 100,000% inflation? That's all. Oh. Just 100,000% inflation. We had a show a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned 11 pounds of corn Right, that was $100 million. Now, when I did a press release uh, <laughs> uh, 18 months ago, it yeah. was million-dollar steaks and $100,000 biscuits. Mm-hmm. And these are, of course, Zimbabwe dollars. Literally. Yeah, literally. literally. Go in a restaurant and a steak, a good fine filet was a million dollars. Wow. Isn't that great? And so it's actually cheaper to use money for toilet paper than buy toilet paper. Well, they know how to add zeros over there, let me tell you. Boy, they can add those zeros. That is amazing. Is, what, is what's happening there the same thing in, in principle? In yeah, principle, in even principle. though obviously it's not it's to extreme. that extreme. Right. In principle, it's what's happening in the United States. Of but America. everybody's getting paid uh-huh. that was owed. Mm-hmm. You know, people that were owed money are getting paid, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the key. Well, that's why people people keep buying treasuries because they feel like, They'll well, get paid. you know, the United States they've always paid their bills. That's right. I mean, they've always paid their bills. Now I have a silver certificate here that begs to differ. Okay, what do you mean? Oh well, yeah, you're right. It says right on it, right. "We'll pay to the bearer." One dollar in silver on demand. Now, last I checked, dollar was point seven seven three four ounces of silver, and I'd like to cash this note, but I can't. It's in the same pile with my gold certificates, which say one twenty dollar gold piece. You know, if I had a twenty dollar gold piece and I put that in the safe, that's a week's labor. It has been forever since eighteen forty nine. 
That's so amazing every time I think about it. Think about that, folks. A $20 gold piece in 18 what? 49. In 1849 was, was like uh, equivalent a week's to a week's labor. Yeah. And look at a $20 gold piece today. It's worth about 1000 bucks, right? Yeah, a skilled, a skilled tradesman. $50,000 a year. Yeah, yeah skilled person. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. And I think, I don't care if we go five years, 10 years, or 15 years into the future. You always believe it's going to be. Uh, Absolutely. Even if we go to the Zimbabwe, 100,000% a year, whatever, inflation. And it takes, you know, $50 million to buy a, what was it? <laughs> Ten pounds of wheat. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, the ten, eleven pounds of corn was a hundred million dollars. Yeah. yeah. So if that is the equivalent of a week's work, which I doubt it is, I bet that uh, a week's what's eleven pounds of corn worth? You know, mm-hmm. you do the math and you'll figure out. You know, it, it's a shame you don't sell buy and sell gold coins for a living because that is such a great concept <laughs> to you know do a commercial because I mean it. it you, it really is true. I mean, if it's yeah, upheld yeah. since uh, for the last 150 years. For, well, there are even uh, figures you know, going back further than that. Uh, uh, I mean, certainly would have you to can go back them. as far back as you want with the uh, toga mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the uh, fine pair of, mm-hmm. uh, of shoes. <laughs> yeah, well, you go back to Roman times and you'll find. Let me grab my calculator here because, see, I was, after, after you said that the last time, what I figured was, I said, you know, I said to myself, okay, self, I'm 60, hey, and I, can, I know I can do 120 standing on my head, Right. I know I can live to 120. So that's 60 years times 52. So that's 3,000, just to round it off, right? Right. So that means I need 3,000 $20 gold pieces. Well, that's if I you, need uh, I need one for each week, right? Well, that's if you want to stop working no, tomorrow. I oh, I see. If I want okay. to stop so working. So if you're going to work for 20 or 30 yeah. of those years. But that's I need 3 million bucks. Well, you know what? We all know that. Everybody, <laughs> we know that. Everybody <laughs> we knew that, a, that number was there. <laughs> we take a little bit of money every week, and we try to put it aside, don't we? I mean, that's yeah. what everyone tries to do. Right. It's just that if the money keeps losing value, what the heck good is putting it aside? Sure. You're going to put something aside that's got to last you for 20 years, then that, it should be something that's meant to last 20 years. Right. So, folks, you might grab your calculator if you're at your desk listening to a computer and see... You know, if how, long, gonna, how, how many weeks do you how plan? Many weeks do you, plan you know, and, and see, we'll see what that number is. But three million bucks. I so what you're saying is, if I had three million and I bought three thousand twenty dollar gold pieces, stuck them somewhere very safe, yeah. that I could kind of hang out and live to one hundred and twenty, and I'd do just fine. Thank and just you. relax. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter what happens. In fact, uh, the worst. Wow, now that gets, would be very secure, wouldn't it? The now there's a way of being it, out of debt, baby. Yeah, that's out of debt, right? Boy, there. that's I'll tell you what. And the, and the worse it gets, the better it gets for you. Why is that? Well, because your purchasing power actually increases because you actually have something that everybody wants. Mm, so, yeah, but the prices are still going to be going up, and it's oh, going to cost yeah, me fifty dollars for a, a six the, pack of non-alcoholic beer. But the premiums that people associate with real things in that environment ah, increases. Okay, yes, okay, yes. okay. So, so in other words, yeah, 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 the idea that there's an unlimited value. Gold, it has a numismatic value. Well, then, Combined with yeah. mm-hmm. a rapidly inflating currency so that everyone is aware and everyone's trying to dump their dollars at the same time, mm-hmm. that's the environment in which the, the gold coins really shine, and the silver coins as well. I shouldn't forget them, and even, in fact, the copper coins. And, and you argue that there's always going to be folks, always, always, always... That want to do business? That want to do business. And have uh, right, right. Yeah, you got a mm-hmm. farmer with, you know, he's got all of his stuff there. What's he going to do with it? Mm-hmm. He wants to grow it, and he wants to sell it. And, and and I've always suspected, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could just kind of ask a question and get the answer on a computer? I want to do a screenplay like that. But, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you knew how much money, like Federal Reserve notes, quarters, nickel, diamond, is just kind of out there right. today? Right. I mean, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to know that? And it could be trillions. Yeah. Couldn't well, it? see, it's like, what do you count? And remember, we, yeah, right. I, I mentioned those 200 economists that gathered at that big conference in South America. And they're going to all sit down and discuss the problem, and they couldn't agree what money was. Right, right. right. That's always a problem. <laughs> so, what is a dollar? Right? What is what is money? Oh, I don't know. Are you going to count this? Are you going to count that? Are you going to count collateralized debt obligations? Are you going to count uh, structured investment vehicles? What do you count? And so this is the real problem. When you start counting it all, suddenly you need that new number. You know the new one, right? No. Oh, you mean the the money supply? Quadrillion. Oh, no, the new number. Oh, I see. Trillion and then what? Quadrillion. It goes from trillion to quadrillion? Yeah. Quadrillion with a, you know, quad. Right. Rillion. Quadrillion. Yeah. Quadrillion. Does that mean it's a trillion trillion? 
Yes, it's like four. It's the next. No, no, no. You mean the, the, next, no, a thousand trillion. It's a thousand trillion. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the okay. next set of three zeros. Quadrillion. Nine hundred and ninety-nine trillion plus one more trillion. Wow. Now you got only one quadrillion. Whew. Got there just in time, didn't we? That's a, that'd be a nice. Uh, that's a that's a nice uh, goal to have to be a quadrillionaire. No, no, we can't have a quadrillionaire. Right. We can only have now at that point a trillionaire. Oh, okay. So, like you know, we couldn't have billionaires for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't have enough money. Yeah. We only had millionaires. And back in the day, of course, even having several hundred thousand, you were whew, you were hoity-toity. Then, of course, the millionaire was the would be the trillionaire that right, we're right. talking about. We're on with Andrew Goss. He's a 25-year currency historian. He's got two books, Secret World of Money, Uncle Sam Cooks the Books. And he's going to be offering that to you as well as our newsletter as we launch our our premium website with over 125 interviews with 25 new interviews each month, each month. And that's going to be launching very, very soon. Tomorrow night, a very exciting lady, Dr. Teresa Dale, and she's going to give you so much compelling evidence about not taking bioidentical hormones, which are the rage in our culture, even by those natural folks, Mm. that uh, I tell you what, it's really scary stuff. And then on Friday, Don Jansen, who has been working with Ocean Water and Growing Gardens, and he's got a few new things with um, ocean-grown wheatgrass in capsules that is amazing stuff that we're going to be talking about. This is very cool things because... Andrew and uh, many of us talk about get yourself a victory garden. Remember oh, yeah. during the war, I wasn't a mom. But my mom used to say, Grandma told they, me about they used to yeah. talk about victory gardens. Well, That's right. We should get a name for them now. We should call them Ron Paul Gardens I'll or something. My, uh, my French grandmother yeah. referred to the ocean as La Mer. La Mer, you see. Which is the mother. Yeah, the mother. Yeah, the mother. And, uh, that's where all the that's where all the minerals that's are. That's where man. all the good stuff is. That's where all yeah. the good and she stuff. used to go down on those rocks on the in the islands in the Bay of Biscay and pull the seaweed out. Yeah. Oh man. And then she, she put that in the beans right and rice. Right in the food. And, yeah. Oh, right yeah. in the food. Mom was a yeah. smart cookie. No grandma. Wonder. That was grandma. Oh, grandma. No, you got some good neurons going in your brain. Yeah. Your <laughs> yeah. That's she what took you... care of us for sure. So the idea that the, the, this gentleman has is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I urge everyone to listen. Let's veer off a little bit because we are in Texas, but uh, this will be fun. Come on in and join us. Eight 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 one net six. Eight 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 one net six. And we either put you on hold or answer you right live on the air. If you'd like to answer, ask a question about your finances or anything that we're talking about or anything that we're not talking about, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. It is uh, the 9th of April, and we're here every Wednesday night with Andrew Goss, and I'm here every night, 7 to 8 o'clock Central. Please tell your friends about One Radio Network. So many cool things to come. Congress has given home. This is, this is interesting. Congress has given Homeland Secretary Michael Chertoff exclusive, some say of a, uh, uh, exclusive and some say unconstitutional power to disregard more than 30 laws, 30 laws regarding this uh, uh, this wall that's going to go through southwestern states. It's a nation now, of laws and not men. Yeah. Now, I know that you're, you, you like, you're, you're into secure borders because you said so, but do you, uh, yes. do you think that this is appropriate, what? giving this guy uh, a power over and uh, cutting out the judiciary in the executive branch of just building this wall? You want the fence or not? Well, I don't want. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you think it's appropriate? Well, if you, you want know, the fence, you got to do it. That's that's Is that pretty much saying? the attitude. Yeah, that's yeah. the attitude. All right. You know, that's that supra. But how can you take power. people's property? Like well, that? you know what? Um, they've said this to us in the past, as it relates to all of our property. And in this case, if there ever is a case for eminent domain, where something, a person's property is taken for the benefit of all. I'm not talking about a highway that some people might drive on. Doing a casino or Or a casino that some people might visit. I'm talking about taking their property for the benefit of all Mm. United States citizens. Every single one of us would benefit from that fence. So then, that is the only appropriate use of eminent domain. Well, I would agree with your argument that everyone would benefit if, if in fact, it worked. But I, I just, it's hard for me, Andrew Goss, to see how these people who really want to get in because they need to feed their family. No, oh, at the same time, I, I, I mean, I, they're going to dig under it. Aren't they going to go I, around it? I think it? we should have a big, wide gate. 
you know? Yeah, oh, and just, just figure it out and let people in that want to come in. Let right? people in that want to come in, people that belong here, people that are clean, people that are not criminals. Right, yeah. Right. They want to just come and earn a better living. That's what I mean by clean. Ah, I see. Uh, you, know, the, you know, we're not getting the worst criminal, somebody running from the law in Mexico coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested in, in all productive citizens who want to come and take part in this great American dream. Go to the gate. Mm-hmm. Get your number and get in here with the rest of the of and, us and, and go to work and, and start go to a work, business, learn man. the language, and uh, start a business. Yeah, sure. They, you know. Well, look at our grandparents. I know my grandpa right. came in from Italy, yeah, and somehow he started a grocery store. I don't That's know how right. he did it, he but he, he employed a, he employed a couple of people and. Uh, he provided food, and then and he supported happened. his family. Yeah, now, of course, he didn't have a planning board and a zoning board and a board of adjustment and a city council and uh, every other federal and state and right. local agency to, to deal with. But even in that environment, I still think it's possible to, for a person of of good integrity and you know with a good service or a good product to come to the United States and start a business and make a great living. And he also didn't have... Really easy money, well, like his right. gr- grandson did, and opened right. up a market and got in over his head. Yeah, that isn't that interesting? It is. He, he didn't have that, did he? No. And I would, I could have used a little tight money, <laughs> tight money <laughs> about my thing, you know, to keep sure. my head on together. But absolutely, man, we won't even go there. Is the IMF selling gold? I heard that. Is that oh, God, something that's yes. going they're on? Selling, what's they're selling everything, including the family well, jewels? What's why would they do that? Well, because have you because, noticed? No, gold's nine hundred and thirty dollars oh. an ounce. That's what happened. The IMF said they were going to sell fourteen million ounces of gold, and gold went up twenty bucks. <laughs> it, it's a uh, they're they're creating so much money, right? The, oh, you mean the Federal Reserve? Yes, Federal Reserve. Right. And gold is every man's inflation indicator. And don't forget, this is one big system. Don't think for a minute that the Fed is out there all alone. The IMF is definitely part of the clique. Right. So by selling its gold, they'll take up dollars. You see? By selling their gold, they'll take. I, I, oh, they, you mean they're going to take dollars out of out of the market? Out of yeah. the market. So while the Federal Reserve is creating them at this end, then the um, then the IMF will be taking them out at that end yeah, by by selling off international gold. So this is to give comfort to uh, those around the world who say, okay, well, if you guys are going to take this strategy, we're just going to buy gold. Okay, but if you're going to buy gold, we're going to put enough gold on the market to offset whatever we're going to do. And how much gold are they selling? 14 million ounces. 14 but, million? Yeah. And 14 million times 1,000 is what? What is that? It's a, it's a lot of money. Is, is that 14? It's $14 billion. $14 billion. But that's just a, that's, chump that's a that's chump change <laughs> for the amount of money they're putting in the market, isn't but it? But it's real money. Yeah, but I don't, yeah, that's what I don't understand. It is real money. If it's money. chump change, 14 billion out of but circulation. But it's $14 billion in real money. But why would you give up all represent- that gold for those dirty Federal Reserve notes? Exactly. I don't understand that. Exactly. I don't get that. Yeah, well, they certainly aren't doing it as a sound business decision. Obviously sure. not. Uh, so it's more intended to uh, maintain faith and security around the world. You know what we just said. I don't understand. Why does that maintain faith and security? Hope if they're willing to sell gold right. from the IMF oh, vaults for money for dollars for dollars for dollars, ah. then the dollars must be worth something. Okay, that they they must have a lot of gold if they're willing to do that. Yeah, they have the most in the world. The and that was the intent, right? To just give the IMF <clears throat> that that's the intent. Are those are they the ones that uh, that ended up with the gold that was at the bottom of the twin twin towers? Well, essentially, yeah. I mean, w- is that where that went? Or? A lot of did the they gold- ever find that? By the way, yeah, it's been homogenized. It's back in the system. There are some people selling it as collectors' items, of course. Oh, but they did find it. They did. Yeah, they recovered. It. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, I, sent- I didn't know that. Yeah, they sent the uh, they sent the rescue workers home. In fact, you know, we are very close here, and some of the local rescue workers were rather upset that they halted. Um, well, what were at that point recovery operations. They weren't hoping necessarily right. to find anyone alive, but they certainly wanted to get the bodies for the families. And they stopped those efforts and said, everybody, back away. we got to get in there and get the gold. And, you know, we have no room for just odd people standing around. Okay. So you guys just go over there and I'll stand right there while we go get the gold. Ten minutes remaining. So if you want to have a question or comment, now's the time, 888-1-NET-6, 888-1-NET-6. Andrew Gross's telephone number in New Jersey is 800-468-2646. You can also reach him at, what's your email, Andy? Andy at 
andygoss.com. Andy at andygoss.com. He's got a groovy website with a lot of cool things, and you're going to be seeing a mountain of interviews and a whole a whole section set up for Andy Goss on oneradionetwork.com very, very soon. Uh, you know, I keep hearing more and more talk about this wonderful Amero that's just around the corner. <laughs> Every time I ask you about it, you just say... You're smoking something, Patrick. Okay. No, no. No, no. <laughs> but it could be happening. Do, well, no. yeah, give not... us a story again for people just now hearing it for the first time from you. Okay. Okay. The, the Canadian oh. think tank. Uh, oh, doggone. I'm going to have to dig my notes out if i got to do this again. That's uh, right. Fraser is the guy's name. Fraser. Uh, Fraser. Right. F-R-A-S-E-R. Yes. Fraser. Right. He runs a, a Canadian think tank. He's also an investment banker. And when the euro was being proposed back in the 90s, he gave a grant through, I think it was the Dobson Foundation, All right. and hired this uh, guy, you know, a PhD-level guy, sharp academic guy, and said, make the case for a European-style currency here in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so this academic went to work making... And the paper is entitled A Case for the Amero. Maybe I should just give it to you. You post it on Patrick oh, and Pony. We'll uh, put uh, a one radio network, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so people can oh, know I'd, where okay, yeah. where this thing originated. I'll put it on our website. Okay. That'd be great. It originated in a Canadian think tank. And what was happening was Citibank and all KKR and all the you know barbarians at the gate, I think, was, you remember that title of that book? Uh, it was a movie as well with you know all the corporate takeovers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the guys were raiding into Canada now. You know, not con- not content with New York, they were going into Canada, and basically poaching. Uh, and what the- these people, the guy who gave the big grant to the think tank, viewed as his backyard. Hey, I'm an investment banker affiliated with the Bank of Canada, and you're coming in here from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Maybe your Citigroup, maybe your KKR, maybe your Chase or J.P. Morgan, whoever. You're taking my Canadian companies public. Right. And you're doing leverage buyouts, and you're doing it with U.S. money, and, hey, I'm getting cut out big time. And wouldn't it be better if we just had one currency unit that was good in Canada, Mexico, and the United States, and then you could give us the same access that Citibank and J.P. Morgan and all those other guys have, and we'll kind of hold down this part of the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. It will cut us in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now Mexico, forgive me, I've characterized Mexico as a colony of the United States. Okay. A uh, long, long time ago, we corrupted, usurped, and co-opted uh, the institutions and government of Mexico. We, forgive me, the owners of the Federal Reserve Bank, the corporate interests that really own and control the United States. Right. So they are already in control of Mexico. Mexico would say, sure, we'll participate in that. Anything. You know, get us into dollars. Absolutely. Get us into a third currency. No problem. So the Mexicans have no problem with it. The Canadians have no problem with it. And I'm speaking from the perspective of those connected and the leaders. But the Federal Reserve says, no, no, not a chance. Dollarize, boys. Dollarize. That's what you need to do. You need to take the dollar like Ecuador. You need to take the dollar. You need to peg your currency to the dollar and nothing else. That's your option. So who's going to win that battle? Bank of Canada? I don't think so. No, I see. Bank of Mexico? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. Those Pemex oil royalties will keep flowing into the United States, into the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, like they have ever since uh, it's been forever. So all those Mexican, all you hear so much about Mexico's oil wealth. I mean, mean Mexico's oil goes into the Bank of New York? Sure. How did they they figure that one out? Well, you remember when oil was down at $14 a barrel and Robert Rubin, the former chair of Goldman Sachs was before right. our Congress saying, oh, we need to help these poor Mexicans. Right. They went down there and bought it. Or- Essentially. Yeah, yeah. They said, okay, well, we'll securitize against your oil interest. So all your oil revenues, like an assignment of rent, just goes into this fund at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And meanwhile, uh, we'll take care of these bonds and everything that you had piled over here. My goodness. No so, wonder they don't have they don't have any money down there. They don't have they, any, well, all of the natural resources have been co-opted by people that are in control. So it's been treated effectively as a colony. And goodness. to now give it some kind of monetary autonomy on equal par with the United States? No. no. So so you, so Mexico really is just like this um, colony. Well, I, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, where the idea of 
Well, I'm not a, an authority on Mexico. You're close enough to the yeah, border. I don't know, you man. get somebody that'll tell I you should. the story because yeah. it is what what we've allowed to be done in Mexico in the name of corporate profit man. for the last hundred years is and no wonder they're mad at it. Is the same thing going on like places like Colombia and all? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's the same story. Same story. All of Central America and South America. I mean, uh, My you know, in many parts of South America. Americans are. Yeah, I need to get distinct. somebody on who knows about that. I'll do some yeah. research on that. And then, of course, I, I and I keep wondering. I want to ask you before we leave: is is all this oil revenue in Iraq, and these people don't have enough money to pay the police force? <laughs> well, I mean, you remember where the, does that money go? You remember I mean, the Iraqi oil trust? The Iraqi, yes. tell tell the folks about the Iraqi oil the trust. Iraqi oil trust. <laughs> it's yeah, a beautiful thing, folks. We're going to hold their money for them in trust. We're right. holding it. Yes, I think it's in trust in the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a nice place to put it. Yeah, we'll put it in there, and and then we'll, of course, give you pieces of paper, bonds, and you can spend the interest from those bonds to you know pay your police force in, but you don't want to spend the principal, because that you don't want to spend. So you just save that. That's in trust. And then, of course, the interest, you can spend that. And if you ask us nice, we might give you some of the principal, but probably not. Oh, so so the so here I, I see this picture. There's a trust set up in the Bank of New York, right? Federal Reserve that gets this money, and then uh, the Petraeus and these boys come to us, say, "Well, we need more money because we're building bridges and this kind of stuff." So then the Federal Reserve creates more money to go out and build bridges in Iraq. But again, it's offset by Iraq's oil revenues. So as long as they keep that equilibrium between the amount of money that comes in from Iraq's oil mm-hmm. and the amount of money that goes out. In fact, you think about how much... Yeah, but, but it's coming out from the taxpayer and it goes in into the Bank of New York. Yeah. I don't like this picture here. I, there's, there's a loop here that someone is missing out yeah. on. Well, don't forget the oil companies <laughs> in the middle who were contracted to bring the oil out. The only oh, thing that man. goes in is, is the oil revenue or the royalties, not the cost. Yeah. Of, you know, they, they still got a bunch of private people getting profit there. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's much more orderly than it was before the war. So they're effectively using the Iraqi oil revenues to offset inflation that they can then build into the system. Mm -hmm. So that by the time they do finally give the Iraqis back their own money... It's not going to be worth anywhere near what it was when they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money are we talking about? Uh, oh, do you have any it's idea? It's hard to get good figures. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's uh, hard, like, very hard to get good figures. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know this: that production is up, is it? and they're at new records. They're hitting new records. That's the time. Oh, one hundred and eleven bucks a bit. Hit, hit a, it hit a uh, record today. Yeah, what was day it? High, yeah. One twelve for hundred one hundred twelve twenty one today. Mm-hmm. Good thing that uh, inflation is under control, huh? Yeah, well, I, I can certainly And I guess when that. I said $150 a barrel oil, most people thought I was nuts about that as well. Right. Uh, right. Man, I, I see 150 as clear as next Wednesday. Really? Yeah. My goodness. It's inevitable. That, that's going to put gas about, what, six, seven bucks? Huh? Yeah, six bucks. Uh-huh. Get used to it. So you think about you sell that muscle car now with $6? It's it's amazing how many people are actually lining up to buy the new muscle cars. So, you mean that I, you, what kind of you have? Oh, I have a uh, um, a Lexus, my daughter's leftover. You know, I just I disdain <laughs> yeah. new cars. A- Andy Andy doesn't believe in no, in, no, in using debt to buy uh, things that are going to depreciate in value. Oh, no, no. So you just buy stuff for cash, whatever you can, and that's yeah. it, man. Something with wheels and an engine, and uh, that's what I drive. It's a ninety uh, <laughs> ninety six. But it was nice. I, I would drive Lexus it one time. ES three hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty decent car. Yeah, it gets you from point A to point B. Right. And no no payment. Uh, yeah, and before that, I had a 93 Pontiac SSEI, yeah. which that unfortunately died a tragic 200,000-mile death. Okay, before we wrap it up then, so what you recommend people do with their uh, their debt, uh, their their credit you, that yeah, they have? Use debt, use debt to buy tangible assets, real tangible assets. Which are? Anything uh, physical, gold, silver, real estate, art, antiques, uh, jewelry, things that hold their value. Uh, antique cars. Oh, I, yeah. Guitars. Antique guitars. Guitars, yeah. yeah. You, know the, you know the routine. Yeah, all yeah, those, all those yeah. things. That will that will increase in value because of their limited quantity. Yeah, and and of course, select stock. I can't unfortunately rule out the stock market because well, some of those stocks are going to be killers. If you know or which ones they are, you have some kind of a an idea. And it depends if you have the stomach for it. If you invest in uh, in war stuff, I mean, I, I can't right. see how you're going to lose money. Mm-mm. I mean, Boeing, all these people, they're going to be building all this stuff, man, for the next I don't know how long. Yeah. So I mean, if you have the stomach for it, uh, some people don't like to do that. Yeah, I don't they, like to profit because they don't want to. Yeah. 
you know, they yeah, don't want to no. support that kind of thing. I'd rather make no money. But yeah, but sustainable things certainly, and tree farms, and oh, yeah. food, and trees, uh-huh. trees, man. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, standing timber, uh, you know, good high quality timber on land that you own, man. What what about mm-hmm. long term? I guess security system kind of things. Sure. Um, what are some other things that are going to be kind of? But you know, like people, I I, I read where. What was it, Intel or something? They're laying off like 10% uh, of their, Symantec, Intel, 10% of their workforce. And that's awesome. What's that? You know, because I bet like uh, 2% or 5% of those people are going to go out and start their own business. Oh, yeah, because they're they're smart cookies. (laughs) It's good when that happens. Well, before I let you go, uh, give me an idea. I I, I saw some interesting figures that in this last expansion, uh, which was started in 2000, lasted for a few years. Right. Uh, this was one of the first times in a very, very, very long time when the economy expanded and the uh, people's uh, income did not. Well, yeah, they found- uh, that wasn't. And this guy pointed out in this column that it was one of the most interesting things he's seen in a very long time. Do you find that interesting? No, not at all, because that we grew from the other end. What uh, do you mean? Well, it, it is the ultra, ultra wealthy that made all the money this time. Ah. You know, all the buyouts, leverage buyouts, and the and the junk bonds. The CDOs, the things that are going bad today, you know, that generated paychecks of hundreds of millions of dollars. So what, what we did instead of spreading the wealth across the system is we just concentrated it in the top. Hmm. And are we losing the middle class? Oh, yeah. If it isn't already gone, and you know, so it's going to have to come clawing what is, back. What is happening now? Just a big upper class and a, and a bigger, smaller class? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. We have in the ultra-wealthy, because let's face it, if you're not in that club, you're everybody else. How many times do you hear these days on different things that the boys, the people that run the thing, want to kind of turn this into a third-world country? Is that true? Well, that that is absolutely of no value unless they're all going to go to Dubai and you know live in their air conditioning. Uh, the real value in the United States is everything that's here. So I think they, <clears throat> they have a vested interest in keeping it. Yeah, everything that's here, the people, the stuff, yeah, all the stuff. Oh, man, Andrew Goss, stuff. give your phone number real quick. 800-468-2646. 800-468-2646. Andy at andygoss.com. Thanks a lot, sir. We really enjoyed it. We'll see you next Wednesday, right? Always Oh, no, pleasure. we're going to see you Saturday. Saturday, yes. Let's I'll tell the forget. folks about it. Yes. Saturday, indeed. coming up at 3 to 5 p.m. Central Time, right, Andy? Saturday, three to yeah, three to five. We're going to be on world nationwide, worldwide through shortwave radio, and we're going to be giving you more information on OneRadioNetwork.com. How you can listen. Good night, Andy, and good night to you from the Hill Country of Texas. This is One Radio Network.